This episode sponsored by Vistage. With more than 20,000 members, it's where CEOs go to grow their companies and themselves. Learn more at Vistage.com. Welcome to the Grow My Revenue Business Cast with Ian Altman. Unconventional strategies for selling, innovation, and leadership. Ian interviews some of the brightest minds who share proven methods to help you achieve success and grow revenue with integrity. Every episode concludes with a quick recap of actionable steps you can take to deliver tangible, immediate results for your business. Now, here's your host, Ian Altman. Hey, it's Ian Altman. On this episode of the Grow My Revenue Business Cast, I'm joined by my good friend Joey Coleman of Design Symphony. Now, Joey's the guy who Zappos, Google, and other top experience brands come to when they want to give their customer experience a boost. I'm going to ask Joey, what percentage of customers will businesses lose in their first 100 days and how can you reverse that trend? We'll talk about the greatest mistake most professionals make when sending email and specifically the six ways you can engage your customers to create long-term happy clients who are an engine for repeat and referral business. Joey's one of my favorite speakers on the planet and just a great guy who's got his finger on the pulse of the customer experience. So without further ado, here is my discussion with Joey Coleman. Joey, other than the stuff that I covered, what else should people know about you? Well, Ian, first of all, I really appreciate the chance to be on the podcast. Uh, Thanks for inviting me. And uh, for folks listening, please don't hold it against me that Ian and I are friends. Uh, He's actually a quality (laughs) guy. You just need to get to know him for a couple years, and then you'll come to that conclusion as I have. No, seriously, though, um, what other things might people find interesting to know about me? Uh, I live in the middle of nowhere on top of a mountain in Colorado. I've had an insanely eclectic past and background that saw me do everything from uh, defend alleged criminals in the courtroom as a criminal defense attorney to do work for the secret service and the CIA. Uh, it's been a fantastic ride. I'm super passionate about all things, branding design and customer experience. And, uh, yeah, it's just absolutely thrilled that the, the path that life has taken me on thus far and excited to see where it goes from here. Awesome. Now, Obviously, we're talking today about customer experience, and most people are going to say, yeah, yeah, so we want to create a a better customer experience. Why should businesses and business owners actually spend money on that? You know, it's really interesting. I I have this conversation with clients and colleagues all the time about, well, with all the things I can focus on as a business owner, as an entrepreneur, um, why should customer experience get my attention? And the fact of the matter is there's a number of reasons. Um, First, if you look at the 1980s, everything was about total quality management. If you look at the 1990s, everything was about uh, just-in-time manufacturing and delivery. If you look in the 2000s, it was about 24-7 access and speed of access. Now, I think we've reached an age here in 2015 where the primary differentiator for your business is the experience that your customers have. Now, I would posit that that has always been the case, but more and more as the anti-up chips to be in the game uh, equalize, and by that I mean that you know, you're 
your cost of producing your product or service goes down. The quality of your product or service has to go up. You have to be available 24-7. All these things kind of equalize, and you're left with thinking, well, how do I stand out from the competition? The way you stand out is by the experience that you provide for your customers. A couple other reasons why you might want to focus on this. Uh, Number one, it is the fastest way to increase your bottom line. Uh, If you have a fantastic customer experience, you keep your customers, which leads to not only repeat business, but referral business. So your customers become your outsourced sales team. And as a result, you will see a huge increase, not only in revenues, but more importantly, profits, because the engine required to generate a new customer or acquire a new customer when you have a fantastic experience that is based on a referral model or a repeat buyer model or recommendation model uh, is a lot more financially sustainable and makes for an a lot a lot more successful bottom line for you. I'd say the last reason is that if you're focusing on your customer experience, by the very nature of being a human being, you will start to enjoy your work more. And so as employers start to think about, well, how do we keep our employees engaged? How do we keep them here? How do we keep them wanting to do the work? If you can get them on board with this mission of creating great experiences for your customers, they'll feel a level of fulfillment and excitement and joy with their work that they've never felt before. And as a result, will be excited to come to work and treat your customers in an amazing way instead of just punching a clock. So, so that, that's great insight, Joey. And let me, let me ask you this, because I, and, and I know, you know, Joey, Joey and I have shared the stage many times, and it's no secret that he's one of my favorite speakers. I, I know that there's also an element of this that has to do with creating an amazing experience for your customer. So what comes first, the happy customer or the happy employee? <laughs> so, 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 I mean, there's that side of, gee, you know, what can I do to make my employees thrilled? And then, you know, which comes first, the chicken or the egg? Yeah, I mean, and that's, you know, you, you anticipated my answer, Ian. It's a chicken and egg question, you know, and uh, I was fascinated by that question as a kid because I grew up in a farming community in Iowa. And I was like, well, no, it's got to be the, the chicken. And then it was, well, where does that chicken come from? Oh, wait, an egg. Well, wait, no, it's got to be the egg. Well, where did that egg get? You know, when you get caught in this loop. I think all too often people spend this time thinking, well, which is which is going to be more important, the customer or the employee? Where do I put my efforts first? And I personally don't believe that they're mutually exclusive. I think you absolutely need to – it probably starts, frankly, with the business owner. Because if the business owner doesn't go all in on caring about their customers and their employees, this is destined to fail. The majority of people who hire me say, Joey, we want to work with you because uh, you can help us create a great experience for our customers. And we get into the project about all of two days. And what I realize is they treat their employees horribly. And I have to have a real sit-down meeting with the with the leadership team and say, look, here's the deal. I can help you create a great plan for creating amazing and remarkable experiences for your customers. But if your employees aren't excited about being in the office and about doing this work, then it doesn't matter how great our plan is. So at the risk of sounding like I'm dodging the question, I actually think it's both. Uh, I think what's the, the great piece about having the answer be both is Every business owner, every entrepreneur I've ever met either likes the idea of helping their customers more or their employees more, 
And whichever one resonates with you more, great. Go with that one first. (laughs) (laughs) You and I both spend a lot of time on airplanes. And the airlines that are dedicated to a great customer experience. Okay, I don't know if they actually exist. But let's let's, (laughs) Let's let's assume for a second that there was an airline that actually cared about their customers. Um, those those airlines that actually appear to care a little bit more about their customers and their customers are happier, I often see that those employees are more engaged and happier, probably because at some secret level, they know they're not creating a miserable experience for their customers. 100%. 100%. I mean, as you mentioned, we both spend a lot of time on airlines. My airline of choice is Delta. Now, it's interesting, the backstory of why it's my airline of choice. My airline of choice used to be Northwestern. And because of the merger, it became Delta. My wife and I fly all the time. To give you an idea, just for context, my son, who turned two years old about a month ago, we had to buy his first plane ticket. His first purchased plane ticket came after he had flown 250 flights. That'll give you a little context (laughs) of how much time we spend in the air. And that's my wife and son. They don't come with me all the time when I travel, right? So I spend a lot of time on airplanes. And the game my wife and I, I swear to God, you could ask me, and you know, Barrett, you could ask her. The game we play is try to identify if the flight crew was from Northwestern or from Delta pre-merger. And you can always tell. And the way you can tell is, to be frank, Northwestern was based in Minnesota. They had a lot of that Midwestern value and Midwestern attitude. Their people are just friendlier and nicer and happier to be there. And we'll get on and they'll be all smiles and cheery and everything's great. We take our seats and then they get on and they say, you know, good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen, take your seats. I'm Bob. I'm Cindy. I'm Sue. You know, we're your flight crew based out of Minneapolis. And we just look at each other and smile. Because we know. We're like, oh, so you were here pre-merger. That's not to take anything away from the folks that work from Delta pre-merger. But the fact of the matter is you can very quickly tell the people who enjoy their jobs and enjoy what they're doing. Yeah, I, 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 fly, I fly a lot on United Airlines. And United, similar thing with the Continental merger. And I don't, I don't want to disparage either one, but I will tell you that there is a very different feel from – the set of crew that perhaps came out of Houston, right? Than the one that came out of Chicago, totally. and it's a distant, it's a different, it's a different feel, and I believe it's a different mindset and a culture that drives that. Now, let, let me ask you, getting to, getting to some of the specifics, what are some of the steps that that a company can take to create a memorable experience for their customers, and what are the different touch points? So I've created this concept over the last decade that I call the first 100 days, and it's based on some research that cuts across, frankly, all industries. It was originally came out of some research in the banking world. Since then, I've gone out and researched you know, dozens of industries across the world, and what we found is that in the first 100 days of the customer relationship, and by the way, day one starts when they hand you the money when they make the purchase. From the first 100 days after the purchase, this is the most crucial time in the life cycle of the customer. This is where their entire foundation for their beliefs around you, their feelings toward you is built. And what we found is if you, the typical company in the first 100 days is losing somewhere between 20 and 70% of their customers. So stop. By the the way, Joe, let me just interject. 
if you're listening to this while you're driving, you may want to pull over. As, I mean, as Joey reiterates that thing, 20 to 70 percent. 70 percent. Now, Ian, I know you're a sales guy and you're brilliant at it. You teach these people wonderful ways to, you know, drive new business and to get the sale. The problem is in the great majority of companies and organizations around the world, once we get them in the door, we're high-fiving, we're celebrating, we close the deal, and we hand them off to somebody who's going to be the account manager, who in the typical company is one of the lowest-paid employees. They don't nearly have the resources, and the only time we pay attention to them is when they raise an alarm and say, we're about to lose this customer, and then everybody decides to focus on it again. So as quickly as we're spending all this time, effort, and money driving customers to the door, filling the funnel, getting them in, getting them to raise their hand and say, yes, I want to do business with you, we're letting them walk out the back door. 20 to 70% across all industries across the world. It's absolutely staggering. So my entire methodology and system is based around how can you create a remarkable customer experience in the first 100 days to make deposits in the karmic bank account with that customer that let them know that this is a relationship you want for a lifetime. And there's six key ways you can do that, right? There are three that a lot of companies do. There are three that very few companies do. The three that... And, and Joe, jo, let, jo, let, let, let me interject. I get a little excited about this. Sorry. I, I understand. <laughs> let me, and, and, that's, and that's why you're here. Let, let, me, let me interject for a second. So if there's six different ways, and what I'd love for you to do is share with people what are the one or two ways that when people think, oh, I'm going to create a great customer experience, what are the one or two obvious ones that everyone thinks about? And then one of the ones that maybe are the sleepers that can have the greatest impact. Totally, totally. So here's here are the ones that a lot of people think about in terms of their customer experience. The, the top the top three, if you will, in person interactions, email interactions, and phone interactions. Now, when I say these are the ones people think about the most, I guess a better way of phrasing that would say these are the ones that people do the most. Doesn't mean they're yeah. remarkable. Right? We have an in-person interaction. And then some people say, well, no, but I sell online and my stuff is predominantly online. Well, we could have a separate conversation about how to do in-person in an online environment. Email. Most people send emails. Very rarely do we get an email that is remarkable or interesting or unique or special or gives us that warm, fuzzy feeling. Phone. You know, it's fascinating. It used to be that phone was one of the major tools of doing business. Not anymore. We've kind of walked away from that. Sure, there's still phone calls, uh, but we, we just we don't use it nearly as much as we used to. And again, same story. The phone has become something that for a lot of people, it's an annoyance when their phone rings. Then we have yeah. the ones that people aren't using nearly as much that they could be. The first one, and it's funny because it's old-fashioned, mail. Putting something into someone's mailbox, right? It used to be that everybody had to focus on direct mail, pre-internet, because that was the best way for us to communicate. Once the internet came along and you could send an email for free versus mailing a postcard for what is now probably close to 40, 45 cents, people said, well, I'm going to do the free one. As a result, the mailboxes are less crowded. So you can create a remarkable experience by physically sending something to someone. What about videos? All of us are walking around with a video camera in our pocket that is attached to our cell phone that is more powerful than the video cameras that were be, being used by network TV 20 years ago. 
And yet, how often do we send a video to a customer? And by the way, when I'm talking about a video, you know what's fascinating? The research shows that a handheld, kind of pseudo-wobbly, not high production value video converts and has a bigger impact than something that is recorded in a professional studio. So for video, lots of times when I say that, people are like, oh, well, Joey, I don't want to go out and buy a multi-thousand dollar video camera and set up a green screen and have a lighting package and have it all edited up. I'm talking about pulling your phone out of the pocket, flipping it to selfie mode, and shooting a little message to your customer, 30 seconds, and then sending it to them. This oh, God, Joey, now you're, now you're creating a whole market. You're growing the selfie exactly. stick market. I'm really concerned now. Market. That is my goal. That is my goal. The last one <laughs> is presents, gifts and presents, right? What are you doing to give someone the unexpected, right? And by the way, a present is not a coupon for 15% off their next order, okay? Yeah. That's a present for you, the person giving the coupon, that is not a present for the recipient. Imagine as you're growing up at you know Christmas or Hanukkah or whatever holiday you celebrate, your grandma comes in and she's like, oh, Ian, I absolutely love you. Here's a 15% discount for the next time you go to the toy store. It's like, really? Thanks, Gramps. That's awesome. Like a, a discount? No, I want the actual toy. What are the presents you're giving? So these are six tools. The typical company that I work with and the typical audience I speak to, I would say at this point in the conversation when I ask them to say, well, which of these tools are you using? They're using two, maybe three of the six. There's a huge amount of opportunity to use these tools that we have at our disposal that are easy to use, that are not expensive to use. But even just using the tool is going to create a new channel of communication with your customer, which is going to be different than the norm. And that's how we move towards Remarkable, right? Seth Godin talks about the purple cow. The reason the purple cow is interesting is because none of the other cows are purple. Yep. So sometimes you can just be interesting by being different. Yep. Now, now, Joey... I'm sure there's someone out there listening who says, oh, yeah, we send emails to our customers. So so share with, share with me the pitfall or the mistake or the oversight or maybe just not getting the big picture that some people take on with this and what it looks like versus what it should look oh, like. Oh, I mean, we could talk for hours about the pitfalls, for example, with email and how people do email. Number one, the majority of people that are sending email on a regular basis don't even stop to consider whether this email is going to be valuable to the recipient. I mean, if I were asked the listeners at home to say this, you know, raise your hand if you wish you got more email. <laughs> no one would be raising their hand. All right, put no. your hands back in the screen. Yeah, exactly. Now. Keep driving, right? <laughs> like, no one raised their hand. And yet yeah. we send these emails and people are like, well, I need an e-newsletter. Great. What's the content of your e-newsletter going to be? Well, we're going to get everybody in the company to write an article, which they don't want to write. And we're going to put those through a schedule and it's going to turn into a headache. And we're going to have Alice run it. And every month she's going to be going around, pounding on people's doors, screaming and yelling, saying, I need your article. I need your article. And then we're going to send the articles. And by the way, it doesn't really matter. We're not going to ever look at the analytics of how many people open the articles. We're not going to use technology to allow us to see which articles the people are actually reading, right? We're going to just continue to spray and pray and to send it out and to hope for the best. And I talk to companies all over the world and they say, you know, well, we have an open rate on our emails of 27%. I'm like, wow, good for you. No, that's horrible. 
right? And the reason it's horrible is because that means, let me do some quick math here, 27, 73% of the people didn't even think it was worth opening your email. Well, and, and, I, and I, think, I think part of that, Joey, is that people know that in that email, it's going to be, hey, we're so glad that you're a customer of ours. And in fact, we appreciate it so much that we want to offer you an opportunity to buy more of our stuff. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. When it comes to building a relationship with your customer, it shouldn't, you, you know, it's uh, Gary Vaynerchuk talks about, you know, jab, 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 right hook, right? His principle that is give, 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 then ask. Yeah. Most companies today are ask, 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 ask. And then every once in a while, someone on their senior executive team goes to a conference and then comes back and says, wait, let's do a single give. And they do one. And then it goes back to ask, ask. Well, and, and, and the funny part of that is, let's do this single give. Why? Because then we can ask for more stuff. Ask more. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> what is a much better model is give, 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 give. And the law of reciprocity kicks in, which, and we've all experienced this, when we have someone in our life who is constantly giving to us and is constantly going out of their way to look out for us, to point us in the right direction, to do the little special thing. As human beings, what do we do? Number one, we think very highly of that person. Number two, we start to have this kind of mental uh, mindset running the entire time that is around, well, how could I give back to that? I need to do something for them. They're constantly doing this stuff for me. What can I do for them? That is a much better model to get the sale than to be in the person's face saying, will you buy? Will you buy? Will you buy? You mentioned... You create this great experience that drives sales. How do you see the connection between customer experience, marketing, and sales? And I know, obviously, you, Marcus Sharon, and I put on a conference every year called the Remarkable Growth Experience. So I've got some sense sure. of where you come down on this. But but what's your thought on the intersection between those? Well, I, I think you, the, the key part of your question is the word intersection, right? For so long organizations have seen those as three separate silos. There's the marketing department that drives leads to the sales department that closes people that then hands them over to what in most organizations is called customer service, not customer experience. And I think there's a distinction there. Customer service as a general premise is what do we do when things go wrong? Right? Customer experience is what is the circumstance, the experience, the environment that we are creating all of the time. And as a result, first of all, there's that distinction between customer experience and customer service. But I think we are now living in an age where the silos are gone. And the best companies in the world, the industry leaders are recognizing these aren't three separate functions. They're all the same function. You know, Dan Pink talks about the fact that everyone is in sales. A guy like Marcus Sheridan talks about how do you get everyone on your team to contribute content to become the marketing. You know, I believe that everybody in your company creates part of the experience, right? And, you know, when, when I get on, let's take it back to an airplane analogy. When I get on an airplane on a Delta flight to go somewhere, the person that checks me in at the counter 
is part of my Delta experience. The person who, the ticketing agent, you know, who's actually at the gate is part of my experience. The pilot is part of my experience. The flight attendants are part of my experience. When I land, the baggage crew is part of my experience. All of these people, none of whom, by the way, I think fall into the traditional definition of being either in sales or marketing. Yet every single one of them is. Absolutely. Now that you know, that's that's very well said. Now, I, I know you talked about all the different experiences that you've had: um, CIA, um, you know, Secret Service, criminal defense background, which naturally properly prepared you for this design and customer experience <laughs> um, field that that you that you dominate so well. What's the greatest lesson that you ever learned from a business challenge that you personally experienced? You know, what's great about my background is that I've had the chance to have more experiences than any one person could ever even hope or dream to. I feel so blessed and so fortunate that I've had the life I've had. And I think when it comes to, you know, what is the greatest lesson I've learned from a challenge? And if I, if, you know, being the kind of guy I am, I want to tweak your question a little, you know, it, it, it could apply to a business challenge or a personal challenge. It is that Whenever I find myself in a really challenging situation, I ask two questions. The first question is, did anyone die? In this scenario, is there a dead body? Because if there's a dead body, there's a whole different calculus of things we need to do. But first and foremost, did anyone die? Secondly, if the answer to that is no, we go to question number two, which is, did anyone in this situation go to prison for the rest of their life without possibility for parole? If the answer to both of those questions are no, then you actually don't have a problem. And when your blueprint for the world says, as long as no one's dead and no one's in prison for the rest of their life, we don't really have a problem, it has allowed me to maintain a much more even-keeled, level-headed approach Now, don't get me wrong. Are there things that happen that drive me crazy? And do I have things that go wrong in my own business and with deals I'm involved in, with my customers, etc.? All the time. All the time. But I try to maintain some perspective on it that, you know, this too will pass. And my gut instinct is the majority of your listeners, if we ask them, what was the most challenging time in their entire life? They would now tell us two things. That in hindsight... It wasn't really as bad as they thought. And in hindsight, they're actually glad that it happened. Yeah, and even even at the time, it's like, oh, oh no. Yeah, at the time, it always feels it? horrible. But, you yeah. know, a little bit of time, a little bit of perspective getting on the other side of things, we usually have a, a position to kind of say, you know what? I, I wouldn't wish it on anyone. I don't want to go through it again, but I'm glad that it happened. That's awesome. So, so let me let me just wrap up with this. If you had one piece of advice to share with the audience, what would it be? And if it's if it's different from this, how would you tie that in on the customer experience side in terms of how people can put some of these concepts to work? Sure. Well, let me let me give a, an experience once, since that's what we've spent a lot of time talking about today. Sure. So, I, what I would say is commit to a thirty day challenge. And here's your 30-day challenge. Every day for the next month, I want you to do one thing 
that your customer doesn't expect. Now, I'm not necessarily saying it has to be all of your customers. You know, give, give you an example from my personal life. There's a project I'm working on right now where I'm about to send the final invoice to the customer. It's been a long project. It's been a successful project. But to be honest, it's taken longer than I thought it should take, and it's taking longer than the customer thought it should take. There's a number of reasons why, and, you know, as a business owner, we quickly can slide into all the justifications for why that happened. What this person doesn't realize is all of the phase that happened after we pass the timeline when I thought the project should be done, is going to have been done at no charge. They don't know this yet, but that's the invoice they're going to get. So I'm not saying it has to be that. It doesn't have to be a discount, but just do one thing that is unexpected. That can be as simple as calling your customer to say, thank you so much for your purchase. I got a completely unexpected call yesterday from the Denver Zoo. I live in Colorado, and we became members of the Denver Zoo. I got a completely unexpected call where they thanked me for joining the membership and asked if I had any question about the zoo, its hours, the exhibits, etc. They said, no, I'm pretty good. And they said, well, great. Have a fantastic day. And I work in this industry, and I was blown away that they weren't going to try to upsell me. Yeah. I was blown away. I'm like, wait a minute. Don't you want to tell me about like how I can up it to the plus membership or some, ask me for a donation or some additional thing? And the guy's like, no, I just, we, you know, we appreciate you becoming a member, and we're excited to have you come visit more often. That was it, yeah. right? Just do one little thing, and I promise you, after 30 days of doing this, it will dramatically change not only your business and the way you operate, it will change the way you see your customers, and frankly, it will change the way you feel about being in business. Because I think what happens is a lot of us get into this business, into business, whatever our industry is, with the goal of helping other people. As human beings, we want to help. So we get into business and we think, I want to help others. This will be fantastic. And we get going and it becomes about the monotony and the mundane of just going through the motions and doing it. We forget why we got into business for the first place. By re-engaging with your customers, for the majority of people, it will spark an excitement and a drive and an interest in you that you probably haven't seen in ages. So I definitely encourage you to try it out. Joey, thanks so much for sharing your wisdom and guidance with us. And I will tell our listeners that if you're in a city and you see Joey Coleman on the agenda, um, drop what you're doing, sign up, and go see him speak. It's 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 a wild ride. I suggest you bring a seatbelt to the event because you'll need it. It's um it's really just always a fun experience to be in the audience when Joey's speaking. And the the only regret I ever have is when I'm on a stage with him. I, I you know sometimes I catch myself sitting back and watching the show. And realizing that, oh, yeah, I'm supposed to be doing something at this point. <laughs> well, you're um, so, to say, Ian, thank you. So, so, so Joey, what's, what's the best way for our listeners to get in touch with you? JoeyColeman.com. J-O-E-Y, like a nine-year-old you probably know. Coleman, <laughs> C-O-L-E-M-A-N.com. You can find out all about the first 100 days. Connect with me there. Looking forward to continuing the conversation. We'll have all that information in the show notes as well. Thanks again, Joe. I look forward to seeing you again soon. And thanks for sharing your wisdom with our audience. Thanks, Ian. I always learn something new when I speak to Joey Coleman. And if you have the chance to see him speak live and in person, go do it. Let me give you a quick recap, 20 seconds of the top things that I think you should put to action. First, do not skip Joey's commitment on his 30-day challenge. 
pick something every day that your customer is not expecting and do that, and then measure the results. Remember, you can use email, you can use mail, in-person, phone, gifts, and video to create a better client engagement. And of course, always consider if the message will be valuable for the recipient before you send it. Now keep in mind, this show gets its direction from you, the listener. If there's a guest who we should have on the program, if there's a topic you want me to cover, please let me know. Send an email to me personally at ian.altman at growmyrevenue.com. I'd love for you to share this with your friends and colleagues if you think it's valuable for them. You can do that on Twitter at GrowMyRevenue. And of course, visit us on GrowMyRevenue.com to get information that isn't posted elsewhere that we can't put on the podcast and that hopefully will help you in your business. Have an amazing week, add value, and grow revenue in a way everyone can embrace, even your customer. Thank you for joining us each week for the Grow My Revenue Business Cast with Ian Altman. Unconventional strategies for selling, innovation, and leadership. Be sure to subscribe to our program on iTunes or Stitcher. Don't miss Ian's weekly newsletter and be a part of the conversation on growmyrevenue.com and via Twitter at GrowMyRevenue. Revenue.